one. Go. Man, the OG OKC Big 3 gets another shuffle. Chris Paul experiment might be working and the Boston Celtics are rolling at the start of the season. I'm Ro Zapanta. This is the Clinic All-NBA Podcast. I have the three hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? Woo! I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. What up, gentlemen? Let's get to it. What up, JJ? Of course, John! How you living, my friend? I'm doing good. Let's get let's talk some basketball, baby. I'm Detective Chunk. Let's definitely talk some basketball. Sammy! How you living, my friend? We traded for James Harden. I don't know how I am. But I'm ready to talk about it. Sammy takes it all the way! We will get to that at the second half of the show here. We have to talk about some notable storylines that have started from the start of the season here. The first one is the Boston Celtics are 4-0 for the first time in 14 years after laying a 155-104 beating of the Indiana Pacers on Wednesday. The 155 points scored is the second highest single game total in franchise history, trailing only the 173 points the Celtics hung on the Minneapolis Lakers way back in 1959. I want to ask you boys, Boston Celtics, of course, undefeated 4-0. Do we kind of feel like this is the Boston Celtics that we'll see for the whole season or is just this kind of like a blip? to you guys what do you think in the regular season i think this team is definitely going to do this i this looks like a 60 to 65 one team on paper they've got no holes when it comes again to regular season barring health health is going to be a concern especially with porzingis but you look at outside of the the opener against the Knicks that they won by four. They've won every game by at least eight. They put up one nineteen in every game at like step for that first one. Like this team looks like it's gonna hammer people, but I don't think anyone is going to take them seriously until they win the title because they get that far every year. And sometimes we actually use that against them when it's also yep. a credit to how consistent they've been over the years. But for the regular season at minimum, I think this team's a 61 team on paper if they stay healthy. Am I overstating it, guys? Get over here! Yes, Boston is going to lose the next 78 games and go 4-78. and 78. <laughs> That's my take. No, okay. Yeah, I agree, unfortunately. I think the, the Celtics are built to dominate the regular season. But like you said, Sammy, they, until proven otherwise... Every single year for the last few years, they've made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. They made it to the NBA Finals. We think they're going to win. They were up 2-0 against the, the Warriors. Ended up losing that series. So, again, until they prove otherwise, I'm going to say that, you know what? I'm not a believer in them until they, they win it all. So, that's my take. I agree with you, Sammy. This version of the Celtics is what all of us here on this pod expected last year at the start of the season. But of course, there are implications like the coaching change. You have the finals hangover. And we just didn't see Tatum being that MVP form, which a lot of us on this forum actually had him as a favorite to win last year. But what I'm seeing now is that you have Tatum work actually on his game in the inside. 
you have Porzingis and Al Harrington working that pick and pop, and they're actually rebounding the ball. They're playing defense like they used to. They look like a legit squad, John, and I kind of hate saying that, but as you and Sammy alluded to, I'll say that they'll be a regular season great team. Playoffs, it is yet to be seen. But so far, so good. I can't hate on that. I can't hate on it much either. Um, the big addition of Kristaps Porzingis, man, he has been lights out. He has fit like a glove with this team. I mean, scoring 18 points per game, seven rebounds, one assist. On defense, he looks very active. I'm liking what I see there. The only criticism I have is they haven't really beaten anyone special. So, so far they've beaten the Knicks, the Heat, the Wizards, and the Pacers. I'm more interested on November 8th when they face, finally face some stiff competition when they face the 76ers, because I think next up they have, let's see, they have Brooklyn, Minnesota might be a little frisky, but the 76ers one could be a potential loss. I'd like to see what happens there. Am I over, over analyzing this a little bit, or what do you guys think? No, I mean, the only thing I would say is the Kristaps Porzingis. I know he's playing well for them, but the, the biggest thing with him is can he stay healthy? And I know that's right. ironic coming from me, a Laker fan, <laughs> with Anthony Davis, <laughs> but that's a different team. And I will say if Porzingis has rarely has he been healthy for an entire season, if I, my memory serves me correctly. So, I mean, if he's hurt, what, what good is he, right? So we'll see if he can stay healthy. Um, but yeah, I do think from a fit perspective, his ability to stretch the stretch the floor, his, his height, his ability to you know bother um, players on the perimeter, he's actually pretty mobile for a guy that big. So he he's a, he's a great fit for that team. But again, can he stay healthy? Uh, go ahead, Sammy. Uh, I was just gonna say my other question, in addition to health, is. The way they're blowing out people, we haven't seen Missoula have to make any tough decisions yet. Right. And that was clearly an experience issue last year. Now, they addressed it somewhat with coaching hires. But at the end of the day, it's going to be his gut calls in key situations. So let's see what happens there, too, when they do play closer games. I'm curious to see how he'll adapt and if he learned something from last year because those decisions are obviously going to be a key factor as we get deeper into the season. Well, for our next storyline, we got to talk about the Golden State Warriors who are 4-1 and one, and surprisingly 3-0 and oh on the road. We know last year they were just completely off on the road, so it's nice to see the Warriors start off hot on the road. And Draymond Green had this oh. to say. He said, last year, we had an awful team as far as chemistry goes. It was hard to come to work, not fun. So this year, you see the joy on guys' faces when they come into the building. I wonder who is talking about <laughs> or what is talking about. Warriors are four and one. Do we kind of feel like this is the Warriors that we're going to see for the rest of the season? I'll be the first to admit that I was and this, I know it's early, but I did say that the Warriors were going to be a disappointing team. After my very initial look at them and the games that I have seen in the highlights, I think 
addition by subtraction, I've severely underestimated how much of a neg net negative the pool party was. How much chlorine was in the pool, how dirty the pool was. I, I, I think I totally underestimated it because obviously Chris Paul is a shell of himself. He's not the same player that he is, but the Warriors don't need him to be. They just need someone who can facilitate, who can get guys the ball in their spots, and more, most importantly, not turn the ball over and give away free possessions, which Jordan Poole did, I'm sure, ad nauseum last year, so and the year prior to that. And so I think the Warriors are, are they're fully healthy. They added Sarich, who's playing well. And I mean, they have Wiggins, they got Draymond back. Steph's going to be Steph. And Clay's starting to pick it up too after a slow game or two. But yeah, man, they're just, they're always going to be dangerous. And I, I was initially wrong about them. So I do think that they're going to actually be, be able to be more or less consistent with this team. I don't, again, I, I think they're going to fall off a bit. I don't think they're going to keep this four games to one ratio wins to losses throughout the season. But I still think they're going to be in, in the playoff line for sure. And they're always dangerous if they make the playoffs. You never count on someone like Steph, so. Well, well, well. Yeah, I would agree. I also think it would probably not be the best work environment if I punched a coworker. So that was very hard-hitting analysis from Draymond uh, on that front. So. Touche. No, it makes, I mean, this is a veteran team. They're very cohesive. Their biggest addition is a guy who's legitimately been in the league for 18 years and can play with anybody. So. I didn't think the fit was going to take too long. I think the smartest thing they did was after one game, and Draymond was hurt, obviously one or two games, put CP on the bench. That's where he should be for this team. It makes the most sense. Um, so putting him there limits his minutes a bit. I was just looking at the minutes now. It seems like they're trying to keep everyone around 30 to 32, give or take, which I think is a very smart idea, given that this is obviously not a young team. Um, Curious to see if Sarge can keep up his level of performance for the year because, correct me if I'm wrong in this, I think this is the most important role he's played on a team with potential contending aspirations. So it's an unknown. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just we haven't seen him play this kind of role before on a team with this kind of aspiration. So I, I think, I hate to use this as an X factor, but again, health. You have an older team. You got to keep their minutes under wraps. They're going to be more apt to injuries. So I'm not surprised to see them mesh the way they have early. Uh, just curious to see if it'll if they'll maintain this level of consistency and not dominant play, but strong play throughout the year where maybe they should be closer to Denver than they are the second tier based on what the assessment was in the offseason. Not sure yet. It's too early to tell, but they look good so far. Are they a top four seed? That's a question for everyone. Not even the Warrior fans are believe in that. Based on the I silence will here. say yes, but I'm not. I'm not insanely confident about that. But if I had to pick right now, I think they are. I think they're top okay. four. They're either three or four. I'm, I'm with that, too. I, I also think that they're top four. And, of course, with Sammy's caveat of health, because last year, I think the only person of the starting five that didn't miss time was Kevon Looney. Andrew yep. Wiggins missed time. Draymond, yep. Steph and Clay. So, I mean, Chris Paul 
does alleviate some of that if any of them it, like are to miss time but we are missing sort of like that firepower off the bench that jordan Poole kind of provided yeah so, i is, think you, you need concern. one more athlete like just one more young dynamic athlete would be a really nice fit with this team who that player is i, I don't know offhand but I, I agree with that that's that's the one thing i'd like to see added hopefully it, it's kaminga yeah kaminga but a ball handler too like a guy who can create his own shot because do you think of kaminga that way he he's working on creating his own shot so okay i think the balance of one of the main reasons I think that the Warriors are playing so well is obviously the chemistry and the defense is a lot better from last year. And mm -hmm. are you sure it's not because of Chris Paul, <laughs> your favorite player of all time? <laughs> well, that too, though, John, which is, you know, ironic that I'm saying that. But Chris Paul actually alleviates some of the pressure from Steph because Steph last year always had to worry about coming in early because Jordan Poole Jordan Poole's plus minus was just insanely top, top worst at the worst, you know? And I remember last year we covered the Raptors score for worst efficient players. And at the bottom was both James Wiseman and Jordan Poole. So it wasn't coincidental that Steph had the best plus minus, but then we would lose games, including road games because of certain pieces on the bench so well, I, the Warriors think, have always been a yeah. good defensive team and they used to always have a good bench squad but sorry what were we about to say no I was gonna say I think what also gets lost in this whole Chris Paul Warriors thing is that if he continues to play that he has been playing Chris Paul facilitating and taking some of the load off of Steph as you mentioned Steph is 35 and so anything that they can do to help the longevity of his career, being a once-in-generation type player, you always try to do that, right? Like LeBron, they're trying to let, limit his minutes this year. I mean, because these players, they don't grow in trees. They don't come along very often. So the longer you can have them play the game, the, better, the more beneficial it's going to be for your team. So, And I know Chris Paul's 38 on the, on the way to 39, but, you know, it seems like Steph is handling the ball less. I mean, he still runs around. That's just that's how he gets his shot. His conditioning is out of this world. But you know, handling the ball all the time is going to take its toll on you over time. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll just have to see how the Warriors do the rest of the season. Our next storyline here: after four games, yes, the Minnesota Timberwolves are number one in defensive rating with a rating of 102.0 and is number two in defensive rebounding. Do you guys think the Minnesota Timberwolves are a defensive juggernaut for this upcoming year? What do you guys think? In the regular season. Yes, I'm going to use that caveat again. <laughs> okay. We have regular season MVP right. Rudy Gobert, baby. Gobert, yep. Captain of my wizard. fantasy team and the T-Wolves. Um, I think in the regular season, they'll, they'll be solved for that reason. I mean, they've got a bunch of big, long dudes that can board. So I'm not totally surprised by that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I hate to split it again, but we've seen it over and over. We get to the playoffs and somehow the defensive player of the year gets run off the floor. Um, but teams aren't going to play five out in the regular season, I don't think. So if they don't, I think the numbers will be there. Um, 
And, you know, not trying to be facetious, I do think this team is a playoff team, like maybe on the bottom tier. But there's a lot of talent there. So I think defensively the numbers will look good in the regular season, but it's just with Gobert we've seen this formula every season, unfortunately, for, for them. So do you, do you guys think that continues, like where it's a, a very clear split, or does anything go differently for them this year? As long as Jaden McDaniels doesn't punch a brick wall. True. The most pivotal time of the year, I think, we're, I think they'll be okay. Did he break his but hand? He broke his hand, yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's probably, I mean, if he plays that game, the Lakers the Lakers probably lose that playing game. And then they drop to the AC where they probably win. Or they'll win the next playing game. They probably would have won the next playing game. I'm say, speaking hypothetically as a Laker homer. But if they were to go to the AC, they probably would have lost to Denver and not make the Western Conference Finals. So a lot of things, a lot of what ifs. But yeah, that was just stupid of him. He did break his hand. But no, I agree with you, Sammy. I think, I think the Timberwolves are... Again, this is five games in. These these stats and these rankings are going to change significantly, right? And we're not going to... And I know we're kind of... I'm switching gears here a little bit, but just to kind of... For some context and some comparisons, I do not think the Dallas Mavericks are going to stay number one in the Western Conference. I don't think anybody here believes that, right? And so I think a lot of these things are going to change. I don't know if the Minnesota Timberwolves are going... I mean, they have great individual defenders, but to Sammy's point... Is that going to translate into the playoffs? And we don't know. I mean, we'll see. I don't. I'm not confident in it because Rudy Gobert moves. He's like as big as Wemby or close to it, but he moves. Does not move like him at all. He actually moves like he's seven foot three. Yeah. He moves like us. Yeah. No. Well, no. I think I think we may move faster than him. I know. Ouch, man. Have some self-respect. JJ, what do you think, man? It's hard to ever bet on the wolves like we've been let down by them year after year after year after year season after season postseason if you want to include the, the play-in and the glorious patrick beverly celebration that sammy enjoyed but, absolutely uh, <laughs> in all honesty like isn't this what they're supposed to do with all that talent to show up yeah so that, that's my take like i don't think this is the only reason that this is surprising is because it's the Minnesota Timberwolves and they've been that bad forever. With all those draft picks, with all that talent, there's no, really no excuses. I mean, I, I'm i looking at their starting five here, and you know, Mike Conley, Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, Cat, and Rudy Gobert, that does have the potential to have really, really good defense. But the only thing is, is that they're gonna have a tough time scoring a lot of points. So I'm kind of impressed that they did go up against the Denver Nuggets and held them under 90 points. But to make it like sustainable for an entire year, I don't quite believe this. I think they're going to be mostly middle of the pack by the end of the year, or maybe like a little bit above the middle of the pack, but I don't know. Um, but I'm going to take us to our next storyline here. And the Memphis Grizzlies are the last remaining winless team in the NBA. With the Houston Rockets taking their first win of the season over the Charlotte Hornets, the Grizzlies are the only team in the league to have yet win a game. Last night, they lost to the Utah Jazz, making their record 0-5. and five. Memphis Grizzlies on a downward spiral. Is this sort of what you guys expect from the Grizzlies this year? Like, do we think they're going to be out of the playoffs, out of the play-in 
and sort of like in tank mode. What do you think? Well, when you give up your best player in Dylan Brooks, let him go. <laughs> then I think it's obvious that you're going to tank oh, and really, man. really not do well the next year. I mean, Dylan Brooks is somewhere smiling ear to ear. I, I know he's probably he's the type of guy to just relish in this type of this record that the Grizzlies have right now. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little surprised. I'll be honest. I mean, the, the Grizzlies still have some talent, right? And 0-5 is not something that I would have expected. And now I think the question you have to ask yourself if you're a Grizzlies fan or if you're just an NBA observer like us, at what point do you think the Grizzlies just should seriously consider tanking, right? And it's super early. But I, I want to ask you guys, kind of push this question back to you, is that at what point, right, like, is it a quarter through the season? I mean, if they have a terrible record, John Morant's not coming back for what? 30-something games? I can't remember what it is. Uh, I think exactly. it was 25. 25. Yeah. yeah. You 25. try to get a high draft pick. I don't know what the class looks like next year, but do you try to get someone who can you can pay, pair with John Morant um, and try to go from there? I, I don't know. But a win five is not a great start for, this, for a team that's still is expected to play well without John Morant and be in the hunt, but still early, so I don't know. So for me, there's a couple things, and this is not like a I told you so kind of thing, but I really didn't like the fact that they dealt Tyus Jones knowing that Morant was suspended. And Marcus Smart is a good player. We all know that, but he's, he's not a true point guard, and they don't have anyone in that starting five or on the roster, frankly, who can get the ball to players in in that manner. I mean, Derrick Rose, if he plays, it's a score first guard. Smart tends to take shots more than pass it. I mean, look at the other guys on the team. Bang can distribute okay, but there's no one filling that role right now. You've got a lot of dudes who like to shoot first and no one to put them in the right spot. So that's why that trade never made sense to me, given where you're at and it feels like that's the biggest hole in this roster. I'm just looking at it now to get an idea. So to answer your question, I think if if Jaw comes back and they're like, let's say this is still catastrophically bad, like seven and eighteen, then I think you do have to look at that. Um, otherwise, if you're ten and fifteen or better and you're still within like you know breathing distance of the plan with Jaw coming back, I think you just have to go for it with with how this team is constructed. Um, We'll see. They've got a home. They've got a back-to-back against Portland, two games and two nights, same city. If they lose both of those, then I'm sounding the alarm. Personally, <laughs> no offense, Ro. Uh, but <laughs> well, I mean, full offense taken by him. By the way, he's still a yeah. I'm number signing one off right fan. now. <laughs> you tell me on on that wild Blazers take slash Grizzlies take. What do you yeah, think, Jay? Though, though West last year, when the season ended, remember that a lot of the teams only had one, two, three win differential, and the seats were just separated by a single count of a win. So can you imagine if the Grizzlies, like what Sammy just said, are like, what, they've won two games with the last 12? And like, give it like, the boys already kind of touched on it, but... Last year, they were good without Jaw. 
and what wins games, we always said it's defense and chemistry. By changing up the roster and made all those moves, it kind of destroyed the chemistry, which what they banked on last year for on being so successful without Jaw. So now it's like the chemistry is not there. They're working on their defense and they don't have their star player. So what's the option? And John alluded to it, which is should they tank? And with the West and how it's competitive, every single team has gotten better. Well, Sammy might argue with his Clippers and the Harden trade otherwise, but regular season, baby. We'll we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you guys, but for me, like even if John Morant comes back, and let's say that they're, you know, ten and fifteen, right? Do we think that John Morant is gonna like immediately be John Morant when he gets back? Probably not. And also the roster construction to me is still kind of weird because like you move John Morant into the starting lineup. Now, who do you move back? Are you going to move back Marcus Smart off the bench? Is it Desmond Bain off the bench or is it Zaire Williams? Because if it's Zaire Williams, now you're kind of small. You've got John Morant, Marcus Smart, Desmond Bain, Triple J and then Tillman. Like the starting five does not make a lot of sense to me. I'm I don't know how they're going to figure it out. But this, to me, smells a lot like Tank City. So, sorry Memphis fans that listen to us. Hopefully, this team proves us wrong. But I'm going to take us to our next storyline here. Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic is the first player to lead his team outright in points, rebounds, and assists in the first three games of the season. And he joins Oscar Robertson, Russell Westbrook as the only players with multiple 30-point triple-doubles in the first three games. Oh, my goodness. He also had a 49-point night against the Nets. Luka Doncic seems to be the early MVP favorite. Do we expect this from Luka for the rest of the season? What do you guys think? Isn't it kind of coincidental or kind of ironic that they've been winning without Kyrie playing. I knew you were going to bring that up. That was the, <laughs> I knew that was the first thing you were going to bring up. Is it, is it coincidental? Is it ironic? Tell me otherwise, though. I'm coming off I, as a super hater right now. I don't know if it's ironic, man, because I never really liked the fit in the first place. I, I'm not sure why they, they did that trade. Um, what do you guys think? I mean, and then they re-signed him to a multi-year contract extension. So. Yeah. They double down if, if you know, they clearly, Mark Cuban clearly does not think it was a mistake. But I agree with you. I, I mean, I, the fit is just they're both players that need the ball in their hands. And I know we say that a lot about these teams. But this is one of those times where it's evident. It's clear as day. Kyrie is a wizard with the ball in his hand. And he excels when he is the facilitator and doing magical things with the ball. I mean, he's, he's a wizard. Let's be real. But Luca is also a guy who does not play well off the ball. So unless they throw in an extra ball in there and Adam Silver changes up the rules, I again, it's just not a fit for me, like, like you said. Sammy, yeah. where are you at with this? I, I'm looking at who they play. I respect the 4-0 is 4-0. You only can play the opponents you got, right? But tomorrow they go to Denver. And before that, they had played... Let me give you guys this uh, 
Is it a steamroller of a schedule here that they had played before that? Uh, home Bulls at Grizzlies, home Nets at Spurs. That's who they've beaten so far. Mm. They're four and zero. I respect that. I don't see tomorrow going well. I'm just gonna say that now. Denver's coming off a loss. They're actually probably gonna get up for this game. I don't see this going well, and. I'm not a Kyrie guy, never have been. Uh, when you ask to get traded away after winning a title next to the greatest player on the planet, that just tells me your priorities aren't quite getting back to the finals. It's something else, whatever it may be. I'm not remotely surprised that they're playing just as well with Kyrie out, just because his his career record has shown that he doesn't necessarily make teams better. His stats always look good, but his teams don't really win. So I'm not that surprised. We were supposed to talk about Luka Doncic, but we ended up talking about Kyrie Irving. <laughs> you know who? You know who? You know who the heart wants what it wants. I just <laughs> JJ as, was the one who host, brought it up initially. I was like, you point this out. You're gonna reel it back. You can you can reel us back. In. Reel us back. Okay, yeah. Uh, you know what's I think, crazy? I I didn't even remember we talked about Luka. I was like, oh, this is a great car. this is a great topic about Kyrie Irving. That's not Jay. I think what we're all trying to say here, I'll I'll kind of sum it all up, is that as long as Kyrie Irving isn't playing, Luka Doncic could be Luka Doncic, and this is the type of Luka that we're used to seeing, is him yeah. dominating games, right, and also winning games. And we're just sort of frustrated because we don't know what the future holds for this Mavs team because we haven't seen them completely together with Kyrie Irving. So it's still sort of a mystery of how these Mavs will play. And like Sammy says, they're going to go up against Denver. Denver's going to come up for this game because one, they just came off of a loss. And two, it is the first game of the in-season tournament. So this Ooh, game actually okay. matters. Yeah. So Hey, quick, quick question about Luka. I know we're trying to reel it back to that is he's playing amazing but i haven't admittedly i haven't been watching the, the team closely how is his defense does anybody have an idea has he improved in that regard and is, is he i mean he's never been i don't think he's ever going to be a great defender right let's let's just get that out of the way but i i'm curious to see if he's ever if his effort has changed if he's you know staying in front of his man a little bit better i don't know any thoughts for me, clearly it's, nobody it, here is watching the Dallas Mavericks, okay. <laughs> I've seen a couple games, and for me, it's hard to assess. Um, just because he, he is the, playing better defense. Yeah, it, it's just the teams that they face have not been great, as like as Sammy was saying. So it's sort of hard to tell. He's trying. I think that's my best defense. answer. I guess that's the thing. The battle, right? Defense is yeah. defense is a lot of it is effort, right? You're yeah. limited by your physical attributes, your skill. You know, if you're just clunky or you're not, you don't, you don't move your feet well. But ultimately, a lot of it is effort. And a lot of the times in the past, he wasn't showing great effort. So that's that's kind of what I wanted to to see if he yeah. was doing to improve. To confirm or to answer the question, your question, he is playing. He is trying on defense. Okay. And at least that's half the battle because, on the flip side, you could just have someone like a James Harden. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you talk about the Chris Paul, the Clippers. <laughs> uh, we digress. We, we are going to talk about now um, who we think is like the most surprisingly good player or good team through the first two weeks of the season. 
What do you guys think? Who wants to go first? All right, I'm gonna choose somebody. Sammy. All right, I'll I'll start it off. Let's uh, let's go with Jalen Duran in Detroit. Um, still 19. Yeah. Had it, had some flashes last year, but then came out this year and opened the season with consecutive games of 17, 14, and four blocks, 14, 17, and two blocks, and then 23, 15, and two blocks. Did not expect that kind of rise that fast. Uh, had a little bit of an ankle injury, so the last two he hasn't played as many minutes, but. Man, he came out just on fire with Cade. They look like a really nice pick and roll combo. Team as a whole is still struggling a bit. They're two and four, but we expected that this year. But if this keeps up, they they have really nice cornerstones there at center and point guard. So I want to give that shout out because I don't think a lot of us are seeing much Detroit this year because they're just not getting national televised games. So I'll go with Jalen Durham. All right. John. I am going to, and look, like, I know I'm going to get blasted here for a bit saying, oh, you're Homer pick, Homer pick, but legitimately, and I'm going to say, I'm going to say Christian Wood. And the reason why I say that is not because his stats are eye popping, yeah. but he's actually playing defense. He's actually trying on the defensive end. And that is something that I, and to JJ's point, part of it is the effort that you give. He has the physical attributes to be a good defender. He's tall. He's lanky. He actually moves well for a big man. So the fact that he's playing defense speaks to me speaks volumes on Darvin Ham, the coaching staff, and also just I think he I think he is from LA. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's a, ref, a breath of fresh air, I will say. So I'm gonna go with Christian Wood. A team, the Orlando Magic. Uh, they look like a scrappy young team who is, plays hard, and they're giving you know. I did not think they were going to be this good this early in the season. So I'm going to go with the Orlando Magic, surprisingly. All right. For my surprising player, because I didn't even expect this, but Cam Thomas, top 10 scoring right now, averaging about four rebounds a game for the Brooklyn Nets. So props to Cam Thomas and surprising the team. We've already covered the Mavericks. Um, I guess I have to go with the Pelicans. They're 4-1. They just lost to the Warriors, but they're 4-1. They're and if Zion, um, Ingram, and CJ all stay healthy, they could be a potential threat to our teams. So I'm going to say the Pelicans. Man, for me, the Blazers. most surprising... <laughs> oh, man. That'll be on bad, for sure. Um... Most surprisingly, good player team. I'm going to say Victor Webb and Yama and the Spurs. I know you guys are kind of rolling my your eyes of the fact that I'm picking Victor Wembanyama because he is considered a generational player, generational talent. We just hadn't seen it yet. But, I mean, you have to stand up and watch him beat the Spurs. I'm sorry, the Suns two times in a row. And in one of the games, he scored like 38 points, 10 rebounds. I mean, the guys wow. having this team full of, I mean, I don't want to say nobodies, but not great talent. I mean, Kelvin Johnson's a guy, Devin Vassell's a guy, but it's not anyone that you'd be like, wow, like they have that guy too. Bonafide scrub. But Victor Wembenyama has just been putting in work and I'm very, very impressed. Um, the Spurs Next. have had more nationally televised games in 2023 than they have had in the last five years. 
I'm, they like, I don't know if that's like, a, like a real stat, but it sounds no. correct. <laughs> no, I pulled that right out of my, my butt, so. Yes. All right. We, no, I have no idea. Sounds right, though. It definitely sounds right, but we have to go with the, the most surprisingly bad player or bad team. What do you guys think? I'm going to go with JJ here. Surprisingly bad team, but... I mean, I'm just gonna say it, the Bucks. Like, I expect better, but I guess it's gonna take time for Dame and Giannis to mesh. So that's my pick, the Bucks. John, what do you think? Player, Scoot Henderson. I think he, we're expecting a, a leap right and again it's early but his his stats don't really pop out at you i think he got injured recently um and so you would think that you know i think for the year he's averaging so he's averaging 8.8 .8, shooting horrible percentage which is at 30 just under 35 percent um and so just over two rebounds and under five assists and you know he was he was uh, advertised as going to be the next big thing in Portland. And so it's still early. There's still time for him to pick it up. But I would say from surprisingly bad, it would, it would be him. For a team, definitely the Memphis Grizzlies. I did not think they were going to be 0-5. They just have entirely way too much talent. But to, our, to what we were talking about earlier, I think we underestimated, or at least I did, the fit. And Sammy made great points about Tyus Jones. They don't really have a facilitator. Marcus Smart is not that type of guy. He's like a 3 and D. Well, I want to say 3. But he is a defensive guru. Was the defensive player of the year. They're missing John Moran, obviously. But they, there's no way that they should be 0-5 with a talent on that team. So I'm going to go with the Grizzlies. Alright. Um, I'm going to make the mistake that everyone makes every year. And say right now I'm going to go with Miami. <laughs> Miami, yep. Yep. And one and four, and the only game they won, they won by one point. And I know we do this every year, but I was just looking at the roster, and man, it just looks light on talent when you when you really just look at the players on the roster. And no offense, but like you get past Hero, so Hero comes back, he's averaging twenty six a game. They're losing more compared to the playoffs last year. Um, draw your own correlations. Lowry looks like it might be might be over. I mean, you look at the guys getting minutes. Love is still there, playing 20 minutes a game. Haywood Highsmith is playing a little here and there. Thomas Bryant is playing 15 minutes a game. Last time we saw him, he was, I believe, in Denver playing like five to six minutes a game. Yep. So there's a trade that needs to happen here, and somehow they're going to put four of these dudes together and end up with like Tyrese Maxey or something like that because that's what Miami does. But right now... It's not looking great, unfortunately. Uh, player, this one's going to be kind of a random one, but I thought Jalen Green would start off a little better with Ime Udoka in Houston. And he still looks a little bit like last year. Still inefficient, shooting under 40%. I know that team's not expected to be great this year. I just thought I'd see some steps and a little more progress. Maybe it'll come along the, the more the games go. I also wonder if there's just too many players there and that ends up being a, a trade candidate team and him specifically depending on what they choose to do later in the year. I just thought there'd be a little more efficiency from him and from that team to start the year. 
Man, that was also my bad player start as well. I, I completely agree with you. Ime Udoka, I thought would have some magic for him um, to get him started. And it just hasn't not, it has not looked like that. Um, my bad team, surprising. Well, I shouldn't say surprisingly bad team, just surprisingly bad start. I'll say that. Um, is actually the Sacramento Kings at two and two. Last year, they came into the, the season like a buzzsaw, looking really great. They have a lot of the same players, continuity. I thought they would be maybe three and one, maybe maybe even four and oh. Um, but they're two and two right now, so we'll see what the Kings have for us later on the season. With that, we're gonna take a short little break with a word from our sponsor. Are you tired of constantly losing your bets on unfair gambling apps? Our sponsor, Parlay Play, has the best lines to increase your chances at winning it big. Not only does it have great lines, it's also an awesome app with a community feel. Use code CLINICALLNBA for a deposit match up to $100 and a free $5 game on the house. They also have a feature called Slide the Line where users can raise or lower a line of their choosing. Pause the pod, get on your phone, and download the app now. Download the app indeed. We have to talk about the big trade that happened. James Harden to the Clippers, and it went sort of like this. The 76ers sent James Harden, P.J. Tucker, and Philip Petrusev to the Clippers for Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nick Batum, K.J. Martin, a 28 unprotected first round, two second round picks, a 29 pick swap, an additional first round pick from OKC. It's quite a boatload. Quite a big trade. And... Of course, the big piece in this is James Harden joining the Clippers. What do you guys think of the fit? Do you guys like the trade? What do you guys think? Uh-huh. <laughs> let's, start with, let's start with the non-Clipper fans here. Did I like the trade? No, I hated the trade. <laughs> Especially for the Clippers. I hate, it. I hate it for Sammy. I'm not a James Harden fan. You gotta look at the resume. You gotta look at the history. Gotta look at all the teams he quit on. Even how he's a lot. How he comes to camp unmotivated, John, out of shape. Like, and how basically he forced his forced his way out for the past three teams. It is not a great look, and just stylistically and like playing. The Clippers, we've always said this. It's not their talent. It's always their health and who is playing. And you essentially traded for somebody who we question if he even is motivated to play and doesn't show up when it's the most important time, the postseason. So why would why would they trade someone for the most important part where they need the healthiest players, the postseason, James Harden, and to trade a first round pick later down the road when they have zero picks in terms of the Clippers that's the major thing that I feel that the Clippers messed up so when when we say it's win now mode they better win now you have Harden who is what 33? 34 34 you have Paul George you have Kawhi you have um, Westbrook, all veterans. And let's not forget, especially talking to my two LA folks here, John 
you guys traded Westbrook to the Clippers, and Westbrook had a new breath of fresh air with the Clippers. What are they going to do with his minutes? That's my question with Harden coming onto the squad. But what do you think? Well, I would say that I hate this trade, but I'd be lying because I actually love this trade. <laughs> I love it because we all know how I feel about Sammy's Los Angeles Clippers. And you know what? I don't feel bad saying that because I already know how Sammy feels about my Los Angeles Lakers. So with that said, I love this trade. Look, when I, first of all, when I see these picks, the Clippers giving up picks, I don't know where they're getting these from because I, I thought they gave all of their picks for the rest of the next 20 years when they traded for Paul George, but hey, I'm not an expert here. So here's the reason why the trade is not a good one, and I think Sammy would agree with this, is that I just don't know, to JJ's point, to piggyback off of it, where are the minutes going to whose minutes are being cut to me it's terrence man and that's a bad to me that's not good terrence man is an up-and-coming player i think he has a lot of potential and i think they're going to stunt his growth these minutes need to come from somewhere they need to be decreased from some of these players they're not going to decrease them with Kawhi leonard they're not going to decrease them with paul george i mean maybe minimally marginally right because they're, maybe they're trying to keep them fresh and I think that's maybe a big part of this trade I don't know I don't think they looked at this and said Steve Ballmer and, and leadership were saying wow he, James Harden is a great fit we all know that he wanted to go to LA I mean it's been reported in the news for the last year I don't know how long and so I don't think they looked at it and said okay he's going to be a great fit I think they're trying to get another player that can kind of lessen the load for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and keep them fresh, play them less minutes, get them through the, the regular season, and have home court advantage throughout the playoffs. The issue then is that Paul, James Harden has not shown to be a playoff performer. History has shown that. Uh, he does not do well when, he's, when they rely on him the most. And there's only one ball, guys. Like James Harden is a ball-dominant player, so it's going to be very interesting. And when I say interesting, I don't think it's going to be a great outcome. I'm sorry, Sammy. I don't think it's going to be a great outcome for the way that James Harden plays. I know they didn't give up a lot, and I know that's going to be your counter-argument, but I don't think, I don't even think they should have touched James Harden at all. So again, I love this trade for selfish reasons, but I will turn it over to either Rowe if we want to leave Sammy for the, the last, the, <laughs> the entree. The encore? Oh my or do you God. want to counter, Sammy? I will give you the opportunity. I blasted your team right now, and I, I look, I want to give you the opportunity to counter. JJ was very nice, but he. this is exactly what JJ was thinking as well. He just didn't want to <laughs> hurt your feelings. I've, all, I've always prided myself on not being like completely homertastic when it comes to any <laughs> of my teams. When my teams are bad, I will say they're bad. On a high level, um, not a huge fan of the trade. Uh, I understand some of it i will also say this i've heard every analysis i've heard of of this trade lately and this isn't just about this trade but in general people talk about pick swaps like the team does not have a pick anymore i think that needs to be distinguished they still have picks they trading swaps to me is overblown and the reason i say that is because if you look at certain teams 
for all their playoff faults for the last whatever their history over the last 15 years this team never picks low anymore the lowest they pick is like 12 or 13. so i'm not worried about the pick swaps i will say that uh, so that being said you're right about that john like the players they traded the only guy this year i think that was going to contribute anything was batum so let's talk about the fit i i agree i don't i do not think the fit is great i do think they made this trade a lot for the regular season i think they're going to try to cut pg Kawhi, and westbrook's minutes down to 30. And they're probably going to cut man down to about 2025. 20, I think that's where the minutes come from. My assumption is that what they're going to do is move Westbrook to six man. I hope that's what they do. It doesn't make sense for me to start these four guys together. Um, looking at their playing styles, obviously you're not going to stagger them in the pairs all the time. But if you're going to go two and two, like let's say keep two of them on the floor at all times. To me, what makes the most sense is keeping. Harden with Kawhi and PG with Westbrook. I've noticed PG and Westbrook tend to actually play off each other pretty well. And then I think PG is a little bit better creating his own shot than Kawhi, as good as Kawhi is at that. And I like Harden facilitating him for that. But this comes down to the playoffs. You guys are right. So regular season, I think, knock on wood, if they stay healthy, I like this team to win at least 50 games now because regular season, they're going to be good. Um, there's just too much scoring punch and star power there. Harden in the regular season or in the postseason has proven over and over he is not good, obviously. The one thing that will help, and this is me trying to play devil's advocate, I will freely say that. He's now the third best player on a playoff team. He has not been in that role before where he's going to be taking the biggest shots. I think those are going to be going to PG and Kawhi, clearly. I actually think PG has been the best player on the team to start the year. He's been great so far this year if he can stay healthy. The other thing I don't like overall, those all four of those guys' contracts are expiring this year. So Great. if they make the conference finals, let's just say that. Are you re-signing all four to multi-year contracts? Because if you are, then I'm really not a fan of this, unless it's two-year <laughs> deals. So I really didn't want it at first. Now if I had to grade it, I would call it a C- minus as a trade. That's fair. That's, um, that's, that's fair. where I'm at. Yeah, the fan in me is not going to assume it's going to be an amazing deal, but I'm just going to hope that they have a good coach. I generally trust the front office. I do think they got a little desperate. So I am hoping to be wrong and that the the system in James Harden, as he apparently calls himself, getting away from the process will help us all out at Microsoft. Thank you, and before, Ro, go ahead. Before I throw it over to Ro, can I, can I jump in with a question, Sammy? Yeah, shoot. So, you mentioned that James Harden will be the third best player on the team, and that's the role that he has not been a part, he's not been, right, um, ever been involved in. And you're right about that. My question, though, is in order for that to work, right, mm -hmm. is that player willing to accept that tertiary role? Because that's a James great question. Harden doesn't seem like someone who would do that. I will tell you, I think this year he will. The reason I say that is because he can't screw up with another team again. He's on an expiring contract. If he wants to get paid again, he's going to have to kind of fall in line, at least for this year. Beyond this year, I completely agree with you. I think this year he's going to be willing to play ball because he kind of did that when he got to Philly, too. He puts on the best behavior. And then, you know, the other side of it is... LA may offer certain things and certain types of establishments that Brooklyn and Philly did not. I think he's going to want to stay here for that reason as well. I'm just going to leave that there. I mean, he did yeah, want to go to LA for a reason. 
Um, yes. That's that's the big like question mark that I had that you just addressed, which was all the expiring contracts for these for these quote unquote stars. Um, because next year it seems like somebody is probably gonna walk. I don't know who is it gonna be exactly, but that ends up being dead money because they're so over the cap. Am I right? Not necessarily because if they fall off the books, it could be. But the fact that all four fall off. I would have to look at it, but there's some level of flexibility where if you play your cards right, I think they could sign someone. It's weird, the timing, the way the NBA works. Like, they could sign someone right and then re-sign their own dudes after. Because I know the Lakers did that this year, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, John. And I think even the Warriors have done that before. Like, they would sign someone and then they re-up Draymond. They did that a couple, this time and I think four years ago. So... The one that's the big question is I don't think they can give Westbrook more than like six million next year. So if he has another good year, because he's actually been really solid in his role, I don't think they keep him. I think he's the one that walks if he wants one more contract. The trade is still like sort of a head scratcher to me just because you're bringing in James Harden, who has a previous relationship with Russell Westbrook. And we know that they weren't the best of friends while trying to play with each other for Houston. And it, it's just strange. I don't think that locker room looks right. I'm going to bring this up here. We have a video of James Harden entering the Clippers locker room and <laughs> where James Harden enters and essentially like it looks like he's just kind of like awkward, like waving to everyone saying hi, while Westbrook is just kind of sitting down. And by the end of the video, they actually finally dap each other up. But it wasn't like a hey, man, it's good to see you. It's just like I'm acknowledging you because there's a bunch of cameras on me right now. <laughs> right. Oops. Yeah. Super awkward, no, I agree. Like it was. And you know what I think happened here is they would not have made this trade if, if PG and Kawhi didn't sign off on it. I think they wanted a true facilitator. I don't think they consulted Westbrook on it. I don't think they cared. It was mm -hmm. more like you got to figure this out. And if it doesn't work between Westbrook and Harden, we all know which one is gone. It, and it's not yeah. Harden. So, look at Terrence Mann though. Like Terrence Mann looks pissed. He and... he he's on his phone and just like oh, looking. Oh, I didn't even look at him. Yeah, yeah or like didn't even say what's up. Like, well, because he know, knows. Man. I mean, his his minutes are already kind of limited, right? I mean, well, he was of... supposed to start this year with those guys, and then he sprained his ankle before the opener, so he hasn't played yet. I don't think it makes any sense to start the four of them together. I would 100% start man with them. They haven't talked about it. They have four days off and they don't play again until Monday. So I'm very, very curious what the five looks like that they're going to put on the floor. Yeah, but I just don't, I don't I just think don't you know. put those four out together. Yeah, we'll see. Who knows? No, so I'm in agreement with you. Like, they might cut man to minutes, but if they do, I think that's a really big mistake. I just don't think it makes sense to put those four out together because those guys all are ball dominant. How are you putting them all out together without someone who wants to do the dirty work? Right. I mean, I'm very interested to see what the Clippers look like this season. But with that, that's actually all we have for tonight's episode. I want to thank you three for being on. JJ, thanks for being on, man. Thanks, everybody. I appreciate you all. John, thanks for being on, man. Hey, thank you very much. See you next time. Detective John. Sammy, thanks for being on. Thank you for letting me vent, friends. Join us 
Monday as we head to New York to start the James Harden fiasco or saga, depending on how you look at it. We'll see you next week. And of course, shout out to our video producer, RJ. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All NBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Clinic All NBA. I'm Rose Zapanta. This is The Clinic All NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Michael Jackson, UTO.